All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. I'm glad we've all come together, and I need to ask you to just pray for me, because I about had a heart attack last night. I'm not kidding. But I'm so glad the Warriors bounced back, and it's such a a great lead-in for our talk this morning on bouncing back. In fact, we have an outline for our message today. It's a light blue sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. And as you're pulling that out, can I tell you, in the same way that the Warriors, they're fighting to bounce back so they can win a championship, we believe that God has called us to be warriors, to learn to fight, to be a champion for our faith and our family and for our future. But I want to tell you this morning, as as we love the Warriors, we love basketball, but the truth is, we're not here today to talk about basketball. We're here to talk about the Bible and what the Bible says to us about how to bounce back in life. And so right from the top, I want to set a framework for my talk. I want you to kind of have a direction for where I'm going. So I want to start off with a great verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. Would you look at this verse with me? It says this. There is no one, there is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. Now, I want you to think about that verse for a second, because I think one of the biggest dangers for us who do church on a regular basis, a big temptation for many of us is to fall into what I like to call cosmetic Christianity. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's where you come to church and you put on the mask, you paste on the plastic smile, and you pretend. You pretend that things are better than they really are, that you're more together than you really are, and you don't struggle as much as that sorry soul sitting next to you. That's cosmetic Christianity, where we just put on the mask. And to highlight what I'm getting at, let me see if I can explain it this way with the story of Farmer Joe. Do you remember the story of Farmer Joe? He was suing a trucking company who had injured him and slammed into his truck. And so they're in court, and the trucking company's high-powered, you know, highly paid lawyer has old Joe up on the stand. And he says, Farmer Joe, before these witnesses, I want you to tell us, did you or did you not say at the scene of the accident that you were fine? Farmer Joe says, well, let me tell you what happened. I was loading my favorite mule, Bessie, into the trailer. And the lawyer says, whoa, 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 wait a second. I didn't ask you what happened. I asked you, did you or did you not say you were fine? Judge, instruct him to answer the question. Three months ago, at the scene of the accident, he told the highway patrol officer that he was fine. And now, here we are in court. He's a fraud trying to rip off my company. Tell him to answer my question. And the judge says, well, actually... I'd like to hear about his old mule, Bessie. (laughs) Farmer Joe says, thank you, your honor. As I was saying, I I was loading Bessie onto the trailer, and then I was driving into town when this semi ran through the stoplight, ran right into my truck, flipped my truck over. I went flying out into one side of the road in a ditch, and poor old Bessie, she went flying to the other side, lying in the ditch. He said, your honor, I was so hurt that I could barely move. But as bad as I was, I was even more worried about Bessie. She was moaning and groaning. I could tell she was in bad shape when all of a sudden a highway patrol officer pulls up. Well, he doesn't know I'm laying in a ditch. All he knows is he can hear Bessie crying and moaning. He walks over, 
takes one look at how bad she's doing, he pulls out his gun and shoots her right between the eyes. And then I say, officer, I'm over here. Well, he walks over to my side of the ditch. He said, sir, I'm so sorry. Your mule was so such bad shape. I had to shoot her. How are you doing? <laughs> I took one look at him and the gun in his hand. And I said, I'm fine, officer. Just fine. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good story, isn't it? <laughs> and and you, you get what I'm saying, right? I tell that story because most of us here today, if I say, hey, how you doing? How's it going? Most of you are going to say, well, you know, I, fine, every, everything's fine. But the truth is, everything's not fine. The truth is, Many of us are hurting and struggling and dealing with doubts and difficulties. Some of you are walking through a season of failure and loss, but it's such a temptation, right? We come to church and we look around at all these holy, happy people and we think, man, if they, if they only knew what was really going on in my life, I better put the mask on because if they knew what I was really going with, they, they might... Uh, they might judge me. They might, they might shoot me, right? Well, can I tell you, you don't have to wear a mask in this place. You're in a safe place. And we, in this place, we live with, with the reality that we know there is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and who never makes a mistake. And I promise you, you can put the mask down. You're in a safe place. You're loved, you're cared about, and I promise nobody's going to shoot you. One of the simplest ways to get at what I'm really trying to say, would you write this down there on your outline? Just so simple. Everybody fails. Or if you're a parent with a very little one and you like children's books, you might write this down instead. Everybody poops. Right, remember this? Remember that book? And if you say you don't, you're full of it, friends. That's, that's, I'm just telling it like it is. In fact, the, another way to say it is we all have habits, hurts, and hang-ups that make life hard. I want you to think of it this way. I want you to think of your life as a basketball game. And your life is a fast-paced, competitive basketball game where you're coming up against a strong opponent who wants to take you out. And as you're playing this game of life, there's so many ways to foul out. There's so many ways to step out of bounds. There's so many ways to drop the ball, right? In fact, there on your outline, I list nine of the major ways that people drop the ball in life. Would you look at these? Sometimes we drop the ball physically. Anybody here make some bad physical choices? where you didn't pace yourself well and you didn't develop healthy eating or exercise or rest habits? How about anybody here mess up relationally or spiritually? And have you ever dropped the ball spiritually where you messed up your relationship with God by putting other things first or, or sinning? Or emotionally or anybody here make a money mistake? Or anybody ever mess up sexually? What about mentally? Have you ever dropped the ball mentally? where you didn't think things through very well, you jumped to the wrong conclusions, and you made some bad decisions, or verbally? You ever say something to someone that you really regret because you know it hurt them deeply, or morally? Friends, can, 
Can I tell you, if you look at all of these ways that people can drop the ball and mess up, I, here's the truth. I, I can't speak for you, but I, I, I want to put my mask down for just a minute. And I just want to tell you straight up, as you look at this list, personally, I've dropped the ball in every area on this list, in every single one without exception. And some of you may be thinking, but, but, but Paul, you're a pastor. Can I tell you, I'm a person. I'm a person. I'm a fallen, broken sinner that needs God's grace to save me and to sustain me. This is what I know, friends. Can I tell you, this is, this is why I'm sharing this. Because you understand the core message of the church is not come look at how great the pastor is. The core message of the church is look at how great Jesus is to save a wretch like me. Friends, can I tell you, there's only one hero in the church. There's only one superstar. There's only one who is worthy of our highest love and deepest commitment. And that's Christ alone, our cornerstone. Never put a pastor or another person on a pedestal. Friends, can I tell you, some of you may be thinking, but, but hey, as a pastor or, or even as a Christ follower, aren't you supposed to be a righteous man? Well, can I tell you, I am a righteous man. Do you know how the Bible defines what it means to be a righteous man? Look at what it says in Proverbs 24, 16. It says, for though a righteous man, what? Falls. You can fall and still be righteous. Though a righteous man falls seven times, like he falls a lot, falls seven times, he rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. I want to tell you, I've, in my life, I've fallen a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I want to tell you this. I don't stop fighting. I don't stop moving forward. I don't stop battling to honor God in every area of my life. This is what I know. All throughout my journey, God has always been faithful to forgive me, heal me, help me bounce back, and even make me stronger than I was before. And it's not just me. I mean, I want you to think of the righteous men of the Bible. Man, so many of them had some major falls, and yet they became warriors who changed the world. Think of Abraham. Man, Abraham, that dude lied, and he put his wife on the line to save his own skin, and today we call him the father of our faith. Or what about King David? That guy committed adultery, lied about it, and then had a guy killed to try to cover it up. And we call him a man after God's own heart. And what about Peter? Peter, man, he was a hot-tempered fisherman who denied that he even knew Jesus. And God used him to start the very first church. See, all of these men, they went from failures to warriors for God who changed the world. And the one thing they all had in common, the primary thing that helped them bounce back is they put their lives fully in the hands of God. I love how 2 Corinthians 1.9 tells us this. It says, We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves, but that was good. 
For then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us, for he can even raise the dead. Would you underline the phrase, we put everything in the hands of God? Because friends, here's the deal. If you want to bounce back from your faults and failures, God can't fix you while you're trying to hold on to your life in your own hands. There has to be a moment of faith where you let go, where you open up and you say, in fact, if you sit here today and you know you're powerless to save yourself, you're in a really good place because then it frees you up to put your life in the hands of God. And friends, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can help you bounce back. He can help you bounce back from failure and loss. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. How do you do it? How does God help me bounce back? You don't want to do it the world's way. You want to do it God's way. Let me tell you how God helps you bounce back. Number one on your outline, when you write this down, the first step to bouncing back is you have to come clean. You have to come clean. You have to call it what it is. You have to take ownership and say, you know what? I failed. I messed up. I sinned. First John 1, 8 and 9 on your outline says it like this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, the world's way of dealing, you know, that's God's way, the starting point. You come clean, you confess, but the world's way is very different, and, and you know it well, because you've all applied this to your own life. In fact, let me remind you of the world's strategy of dealing with failure and loss. The world's strategy is, number one, pretend. Write that one down, pretend. Try to act like it never happened, bury it, and hide it. And hope nobody ever finds out so it will magically go away. But here's the only problem. Pretending is like burying toxic waste in your backyard. You can act like it's not there, but eventually it's going to rise to the surface. And it's going to poison your future success. Don't pretend. The next time, pretending doesn't work. A lot of people try to pass the buck. That's instead instead of saying, you know what, I messed up, I blew it, I failed, we blame others. You know, stupid refs, you know, stupid coaches, stupid boss, stupid teachers, stupid parents. Well, what about stupid me? What about stupid me? You know, several years ago, there was this kid that I was coaching. I was trying to help him overcome some, I mean, a great kid. But I was trying to help him overcome some challenges, but he had a key fault in his life. Every time he'd mess up, man, he'd always blame someone else. You know, he played in the outfield, and when he dropped the ball, you know, stupid pitcher. (laughs) Okay, stupid batter hit the ball wrong, you know. Wait wait a second. You keep blaming others for your own mistake. I I need to help you. I'm going to teach you something very important. I said, I want you to write the word blame. Do you know how to spell blame? I said, here's how you spell it. Be lame. And I don't want you to be lame. I want you to learn as a young man, start taking responsibility for your own choices, your own action, your own life, because you'll never bounce back from failure or loss until you come clean and take personal responsibility. Don't pretend, don't pass the buck. And then some people, if that doesn't work, guess what they do? They punish themselves. 
They punish themselves. And they start beating themselves up and they develop this identity where they go, you know what, I'm such a loser, such a failure, poor pitiful me. I'll never amount to anything. I don't deserve good things because I'm not a good person. But some people, they beat themselves so far down that they'll never bounce back. And the only problem is a lot of times they end up pulling some people down with them. Do you know what I mean by that? Let me explain it this way. There's one guy sitting at the bar and he's just staring at a shot glass of whiskey for about half, just sitting there staring at this shot glass of whiskey. When the local bar bully, he walks up, he grabs that shot, slams it down, puts the shot glass back down on the counter. But this man on the stool, he just starts crying. And the bar bully says, oh, dude, I was just kidding. Don't cry, man. I'll buy you another drink. Can't stand to see a grown man cry. The guy in the bar stool says, but you don't get it. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. And this is the worst day of my life. Said, when I went into work today, I was fired. And then I walk out of the parking lot, I find out my car was stolen. And then I have to take a taxi, and after I pay the taxi, I realize I leave my wallet in the cab while he's driving off. And then I go in the house, the house is empty. I find a note, my wife is leaving me for another man. And then I come here, and I finally sum up the courage to end my life, and you show up and drink my poison. <laughs> That's, that's, that's good. That's, that, man, that captures it because, friends, when you pretend, when you pass the buck, when you punish yourself, you're just poisoning yourself and those around you. That's the world's way, but God's way is different. God says, no, come clean. Call it what it is. Do what it says on your outline in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. that says this, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they will come clean, they will confess and turn from them. They will receive mercy and bounce back. That's the first step. God's second step, would you write this down, is to stay humble. Stay humble in victory and in defeat. If you, don't, if you can't tell already, I, you, know, you need to know I'm a huge Warriors fan. And I have such a deep respect for Steph Curry. Because that guy is a legit basketball superstar. He's the real deal. And yet the guy is so humble. He's humble in victory. In fact, every time they interview him after he wins, he's usually giving credit to his team, his coaches, and mostly to God. In fact, remember two weeks ago I shared when he got the MVP award, first thing out of his mouth. I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who gives me the ability to play, the family to support me, and, you know, gives credit to God. In victory, he's just so humble. But even in defeat, do you know when they interviewed him when after two losses to the Oklahoma City Thunder, after two losses, they said, hey, Steph Curry, you haven't lost back-to-back all season. How do you explain losing two times in a row? Here's what he said. You know, he didn't blame his injury, didn't blame the refs or the other players. This is all he said. You know what? Those guys are really good. And I just need to play better. Man, humble in victory, humble in defeat. And I wanted you to hear that to set a framework for what I want to tell you here as we look at Psalm 138, 6. It says this, though the Lord is great, he cares for who? The humble. But he keeps his distance from the proud. 
And I say all this about Steph Curry because I was thinking about it kind of a weird way. But I had to ask because I like the guy so much. I, I just thought, man, who does Steph Curry hang out with? Like, who are his close... I mean, I kind of wish I was one of them. Who are, his, who are his really good friends and close friends? Because, man, wouldn't it be cool to hang out with someone who's so awesome, so great, so humble? But then I had to think about God. God is great. God is awesome. I wonder who God chooses to be close to. I wonder who God chooses to have a deep, intimate friendship with. Well, according to the Bible, he keeps his distance from prideful, arrogant, self-righteous people. See, God chooses to hang out with the humble. Do you know what it means to be humble? Do you write down this definition of humility? Humility is a willingness to admit, I need God's help and I need others. It's a willingness to, to put aside our pride, to, to take off the mask, to stop pretending. And say, you know what, I got, I got habits, hurts, and hang-ups. I need God. I need other people in my life to bounce back because I'm messy and I'll never be the warrior God made me to be if I do this job. This is so key. Here's the application for you and me. It, it comes from 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. It says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he'll what? He'll bounce you back. He'll lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now, there are two key phrases I want you to underline. At the right time, he'll lift you up, and he cares about you. Because those two work together as God's pattern to how he helps you bounce back. Like, he'll lift you up at the right time. But, but friends, you've got to understand it's God's timing because it's not the world's way. The world's way is try to find a quick fix. Try to find a quick fix. But see, God, because he cares about you, he's not going to give you a quick fix. He's going to help you get fit. He's going to help you get healed and get healthy for life. So that lead, a great lead into our third step. Would you write this down? Because he wants to help you bounce back in his timing, and he does it out of his love. Number three, you want to trust God in the process. He's not going to zap you. He's not going to just, you know, make things magically go away. He's going to walk you through a process. Trust God in the process and be coachable. Be coachable. You know, Eugene Peterson, an incredible pastor, minister, writer, he said these words. He said, all the persons of faith I know are sinners, doubters, uneven performers. We are secure not because we're sure of ourselves, but we trust that God is sure of us. Now, here's the deal. This is what I want you to hear from this. Do you know, as you sit here this morning, I want you to hear this. Do you know God believes in you? God believes in you. God chooses you. God wants you on his team. I don't know if you were ever a little kid and they had two captains in there picking teams and you just stood there going, please don't pick me last, please don't pick me last. Yeah. God picks you. He chooses you. God wants you. And he loves you. And the only thing that God asks in return is that you freely choose to love him back and to follow him as your Lord, your leader, and your coach. Follow his lead, obey his instructions, 
And if you do that, do you know God has a bounce back promise for you? It comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Here's what it says. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Do you see it? Do you hear the promise? When you put your life in God's hands, when you love him and trust him and submit your life to his coaching, here's what God says. I promise I'll pull some miracles out of the mess. I'll make some miracles out of the mess. Let me explain it this way. Story of a little girl who used to go over to grandma's house to watch TV and visit. And she'd always sit on the floor and grandma would be up on the couch. And as they watched TV, she'd do cross-stitch needlepoint. And the little girl, when she'd look up at grandma doing that from underneath, it was always a mess of all this string and all this yarn. Didn't look pretty. But then eventually she'd climb up on grandma's lap. And then she'd look down at things from grandma's perspective. She'd see it was a work of art, a thing of beauty. And she knew when grandma was done, it would be something really good. And she sat on her grandma's lap. She began to trust. Hey, many times from my perspective, it looks messy and yucky, but grandma knows what she's doing. And when she's done, it's going to be beautiful. Now, put that God's promise, God's bounce back promise in that perspective and that framework. You trust God and be coachable saying, man, right now, as I look up at the mess of my life, it doesn't look pretty. But as I trust God, as I love him and follow his purpose, and as I stay coachable, when God's done, I'm going to trust that he's not done knitting together the story of my life. And when he's done, it's going to be something really good. In fact, can I tell you the good things God will bring out of the coaching process? In fact, write these down. You know, God will use failure and loss, first of all, to educate me. Like to train me and teach me so I don't keep doing the same stupid things over and over again. He'll use it to educate me. I love love what it says on the screen behind me in Proverbs 26, 11. It's kind of a gross verse. But it says this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so is a fool who repeats his foolishness. I mean, saying, friends, if you don't learn from your losses, you're doomed to repeat them. And it's not pretty. God says, no, I want to I help you break the bad patterns in your life so you can be healthy and whole. I'll educate you. Then God uses failure and loss also to motivate me. To motivate me. This is, this is so cool. This is so important. In Proverbs 20, 30, it says, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change. Do you know back in the day before Steph Curry was the man, there was another man. His name was Michael Jordan. Any Jordan fans here? Well, can I tell you, Jordan said a lot about failure. In fact, on the screen behind me, look at what he said. He's talking about failure, and he says this, I've missed more, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I was trusted to make the game-winning shot and missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. And here's what he's saying. Michael Jordan, he leveraged his failures to motivate him to keep working, keep practicing, to keep moving forward and fighting to get better. 
And God wants to use failure in your life to motivate you to move forward. And then he also uses it, number three, to strengthen me. To strengthen me. That verse in Romans 5, 3, and 4 on the screen behind me, it says, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know they're good for us. They develop what? Strength. Strength of character. Just like in this video. Take a look. Okay. Okay. First of all, can I say to all of us animal lovers, and I'm one of them, can I, can I tell you, I promise you, no mice were hurt in the making of that. It was animation. And I, I know it's extreme. I mean, it, it, you know, to be honest, it's a little hard to watch. But friends, you, I mean, that, that illustration, because some of you, here's the deal, you're going through your life, you're on the top of the world, you, you don't want to mess up, you know, but you fall into failure, man, it comes snapping down on you so hard. You wonder, how am I ever going to survive this? How am I ever going to recover? Well, when you put your life in God's hands, and you let him coach you, and you go through the process, not only will he help you bounce back, but in the process, he's going to make you stronger than you were before. And as you look at your outline this morning, I want to ask you, what do you do with a message like this? How do you respond to this? Well, this is what I want to say. Man, if you're feeling overwhelmed with failure and loss this morning, I just want to ask you to do this just right now. Just take a deep breath. Just like, just breathe. You don't, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to act like you have it all together. You're in a safe place. And just right now, here's what you do. You start by just taking one day at a time. One day at a time, you put your life in God's hands, and you do what it says in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, where it says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised by the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. So if you're suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right. Keep moving forward. Come clean. Stay humble. Be coachable. Put your life into the hands of God. Trust yourself to the God who made you, for he will never fail you. Underline that phrase, he will never fail you. You know, two weeks ago, we ended our service with a symbol of remembrance, and we took communion together where we remember the body and the blood of Christ. And I shared with you in that moment how Steph Curry had a symbol of remembrance. Like every time he went on the floor or made a good shot, he'd always hit his chest and point towards heaven as a symbol to remind him who he's really playing for. What many people don't know on that same hand that he uses to point to heaven, he has a tattoo on his wrist. And in Hebrew, this is what it says. Love never fails. Friends, you know God's love for you. It will never fail. God will never fail you if you'll put your life in his hands. And I want to end by just sharing with you a reading called In His Hands. And then we'll pray. It goes like this. A basketball in my hands is worth about $19. Basketball in Steph Curry's hands is worth about $25 million. Just depends on whose hand 
it's in. A walking stick in my hands will will drive away a wild animal, but a walking stick in Moses' hand will part the Red Sea. It depends on whose hand it's in. Nails in my hand might produce a birdhouse, but nails in Jesus Christ's hands will produce salvation for the entire world. It just depends on whose hands it's in. Now, you see, it depends on whose hands it's in, so put your concerns, your fears and failures, hopes and dreams, your very life into God's hands because your future depends on whose hands it's in. And I want to give you a chance to put it in God's hands right now as we pray together. Would you pray with me? (sighs) Father God, would you graciously help us in this place to put aside all mass of pretense or self-righteousness as we humbly declare we need you Many of us are walking through difficult seasons of failure and loss. And God, we don't want to pretend or pass the buck or live under punishment. We want to come clean. And we want to confess, trusting that as we turn from our sins and turn to you, that you will care for us and and cover us with your healing grace. And God, would you help each of us walk in humility? Lord, for those of us who are in a season of victory, Help us use that to lift up others who are down and out and are do, who are dealing with defeat. And God, keep us all humble enough to let you in and let others in that will help us recover. And Father, for us individually and for us as a church, help us to trust you more as we let you coach us to true victory, as we learn to be warriors for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.